And a lot of times, and this does lead into my message, a lot of times when God has led me in the past, initially it doesn't fit what I think, you know, and you feel like a no. And then within a day or two, it's like the Lord turned my heart and said, yes, you know, yes. And so that's the way he did it with when I was supposed to go to ORU. I didn't want to go to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa with nobody knew. I'm in high school. I, I got my buddies. I got my little circle. This is my world, my comfort zone. I'm going to go to Iowa State. I'm going to be an engineer like the rest of them. You know? <laughs> and um, my dad very lovingly said, what do you think about going to ORU? And immediately I was like, no, no. I know exactly where I'm going at 18, you know. <laughs> right. Just trust me. Trust me. As a transitionary older person, <laughs> you kids that are under 18 or at 18, just just take it from me. I still remember you know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. That hit like a lead balloon. I can feel it. You don't know anything. And you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you want. And um, I believe God has put the older generation in our lives to help us. And if we're humble, everybody say humble. Man, if we're humble enough to listen. And if we're humble enough to say, you know what? Maybe I don't know everything. Everybody say everything. everything. <laughs> Maybe I don't know everything. And let, let me tell you that that level of humility will always be with you because <laughs> nobody knows everything. Right. But if you stay humble and teachable, there's going to be more open doors to you. There's going to be more opportunities to you when you're in a place of receiving. You have power. But when you're in a place of obstinance, when you're in a place of pride, When you're in a place of arrogance, like it's me versus the world, like bet me, I'll do what you want. God has a path for you, too. (laughs) And it's not going to be as easy. And it's not you're not going to learn as quickly. You could take the lessons of other generations and stand on their shoulders like this. You don't have to relearn the same lessons. It's part of why we were supposed to be learning history in school. Right. We forget history. We forget the mistakes of the past. We remake them. Yeah. And so as young people, let me just kind of admonish you as young people. Be open. Everybody say open. Be humble. Be receiving. Because that's where the place of power is. One of the best leaders of our country, in my opinion, what he did is he made friends of his enemies. Okay, he understood other people's viewpoints. He received from other people and he recognized that he wasn't the best at everything. He wasn't the guy in charge. He was somebody that needed to allow expertise into the room. And if you as a young person will adopt that mindset where I'm going to let other people give me input and not fight everything just because I want to. You're going to have doors open to you. And you're going to receive, okay? And so um, I went on a trail there. <laughs> One of the things that the Lord told Natalie and I early on in our marriage was that some of the some of the major developments in our life we could not plan for. Some of the major developments in our life we could not see coming, and we could not force it. Everybody say force it. And so. Um, 
We prayed about this a while. We judged it. We looked at it. We, we sat on it. We talked about it. We stamped out details. And ultimately, we agreed, let's do it. So uh, pray for us as we're in this transition to Omaha. I'm sure we'll come over every, every once in a while, a little bit more often. It's only two and a half hours away. I definitely plan on fishing more with some people here. <laughs> um, but, uh, but everybody stay humble and teachable. Amen. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that, honey? Or no? Talking about humility. Talking about uh, being open to new experiences. Not at the moment. Okay. Anyway. So keep that. And, and, and I think as the, the challenge, here's part of the challenge. And this is my message today. What we're going to be talking about is growth and stagnancy. Growth and stagnancy. Okay. Part of the challenge as you get older and older and older, and I'm, what am I now? I'm 37, okay? I'm old to some people, I'm young to others. <laughs> but it's maintaining a posture of humility. Maintaining a posture of openness. I can step outside of myself a little bit and look at routines I've developed, look at habits that have formed, look at how I treat people and how I treat my time. And I can step outside of myself and look and see, okay, where are we getting rusty? Where are we taking things for granted? Where are we not being the best steward of our resources? Are we letting our relationship with the Lord kind of get stagnant? Okay. And so this message, if you're here and this doesn't apply to you, I'm sorry, but this message really is for people that are heart, their hearts are turned towards God. And I hope that applies to everybody. If it doesn't, he loves you. And the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Okay? You get to know him. He's not the judgmental. Listen, if he wanted to be the judgmental God, he would not have sent Jesus. The judgment was already cemented. Mankind was full of sin. I mean, it still is full of sin. It still is full of murder and all kinds of evil. I mean, there, there's a tremendous evil in the world. And we live in this posh country where we don't have to face it. Travel. Look at the news. You will face it. Well, or you could watch Netflix. You'll face it. Okay. There, there's tremendous evil in this place. And if God wanted to let it be, he could have let it be. But he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus not to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. He is the saving grace to pull you out. He is the only door to life and life abundantly. So if, he could have, if, he, if you think God is the judgmental God in your head and in your heart, he shouldn't have sent his son. Because the moment you say that's the way, you've accepted life. You have received life. You don't get any more accepted than on your wedding day with Christ. When you bow the knee and say, I want to marry him, spiritually speaking, you're one. You're one. When each and every person receives Christ, you're one with him spiritually. You receive his life. You are part of him and he is part of you. You've been made one spirit with the Lord. And that is a union not easily broken. You understand? 
You don't get any more accepted. Well, I'm working my way up to heaven. I don't think you get it. (laughs) You don't get any more accepted. You don't get any more saved than the day you got born again. And if you have been born again, if there's something standing between you and your relationship with God, run back. You already did it once. (laughs) Everybody with me? Nothing needs to stay in your way. All right. Just run back. Repent. I cheated on you, God. I'm sorry. You know. Run to him. Receive from him. And so this message is for people that whose hearts hearts are turned to the Lord. Okay. Because really, there's only one real way we grow spiritually. Let's define growing spiritually. Okay. Let's take it from the word. Everybody go to John chapter 15. Now, you, you may say, well, this doesn't necessarily talk about growth, but it's the concept, okay? We're going to talk about the concept. The Trinity is not in the Bible either, but the concept is. John chapter 15. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we awake? All right. I'm asking myself, are you awake? <laughs> John chapter 15, verse 1. Now look at this. This is Jesus speaking, okay? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, this is a little bit different agriculture than what we're used to. we got corn, okay? You ever go look at a vineyard, you go look at wines, grapes. Uh, so you got something that is already a living, Okay? But it's the father who is the vine dresser. He's the one that's the caretaker of the vine. Okay? So Jesus is the true vine. We all get plugged into Jesus. And my father is the vine dresser. He's the caretaker of this vine. And he says, every branch in me, in Christ, if you're a branch found in Christ, one with him, married with him, okay, spiritually, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, right? So this is pretty straightforward. If you, you know, anybody who's had a tree has done this and you see a dead limb, you take it off. Why would you, why would you leave it there? It's soaking up life, okay? It's not bearing fruit. Get it out, okay? Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit, And already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the what? In the vine. That's Jesus. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And those branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now notice how he refines us here. He talks about abiding in him, but how does, how do we abide in him? His words abide in us. Have you ever had a relationship with anybody that there wasn't communication? That that relationship starts to dry out, doesn't it? I've seen marriages where they become ships in the night. 
working all the time, cohabitating, but not in relationship, not communicating. There's no abiding. There's no words. There's no fellowship anymore. Okay. And Jesus is honing in on what this process looks like. He's honing in on what fruitfulness looks like. Everybody say fruitfulness. Because what we're after is fruitfulness. What we want, like a vine's sole occupation is to produce the grapes. Like if the grapes aren't actually manifesting, something is wrong down the line. And if God is the vine dresser, he's the one that's taking authority over those that are a part of Christ. He's not going to leave you delusional and say, well, I'm a part of the body, but I don't have fellowship with God. No, you will be removed (laughs) and you will know. Yeah, everybody with me. But if you are a part of him, he will prove you and reprove you and take off those things that are not bearing fruit so that you can produce more fruit. The whole point. Let's talk about this in human terms. Let's take the analogy and make it real. God has given you purpose and he has given you relationship and the whole goal of being part of him is to produce fruit that fruit is the reason you're here that is the the part of you that comes alive when you're in relationship with god and it's supposed to bear something it's supposed to have an outward manifestation that blesses everybody right and the 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 key ingredient here that he hones in on he says If you abide in me and my what words, no relationship exists without words. No relationship exists without communication. Okay, and and let's take it beyond. Look, if you're not in your Bible, this is your this is another little. Get in the words of Christ. The words of Christ are the Christian's law for today. We need to know those. We need to be studying those. There's what he, that's what he's taught us. His words need to abide in us. But beyond that, we're supposed to have daily communion with him, aren't we? His words are supposed to abide in us. <clears throat> the culture of your life will dictate the outcome of your fruitfulness. Okay? So, a key ingredient... Of what your life looks like is who you're talking to. Everybody say who I'm talking to. It's the relationships that you're maintaining. The relationships of the people around you. The relationships that you maintain with God. And if if your relationship with God is growing stagnant. That means the fruitfulness of this vine is not coming through. Okay. I was listening to a podcast on the way up here. And I was telling my wife about it. I don't know how many of you have heard of Bigger Pockets. Uh, it's a real estate um, a podcast, and, and they have a bunch of different guests come on there. And I was listening to this guy. They just got on there. He was a uh, pro skateboarder when it first kind of, kind of started coming out, right? And he was 16 year old. He was from California. You could hear it in his voice. You could you could just tell you had this idea that formulated in your mind when you were listening to him talk. And you're like, this is a pro skateboarder. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about real estate syndication and having debt funds and multi-storage, multi-family, $300 million doing this, this, and that. And I thought, this is, this is blowing my mind because here you have someone who you would tip. This is like surf culture guy. And he's, 
he was testing the limits of his audience and testing the limits of the people that were interviewing him because he had now, why am I saying all this? This guy from a young age got hooked up with some financial advisors that became his friends that started to influence him, that started to challenge him, that started to change the trajectory of his life to the point where now this guy is dealing with hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of other people's money. Okay. That did just, that didn't just happen in a bubble. That happened because he stayed open. And we're not even talking in a spiritual sense here, but it's, it's a principle that happened because he stayed open. And that happened because of the people that he had fellowship with. Okay. No one would think pro skateboard. Oh yeah. That finance tycoon. <laughs> no one's going to think that, but he had fellowship with some people that challenged him and changed his thinking, changed his bar and his life. Everybody with me? God is your vine dresser. He is your challenger. He is your comforter and your discomforter. <laughs> he is the one that is called to grow you up, right? And he knows when growth is appropriate and he knows when it's not. Our challenge in a, as a Christian is not to always be trying to hit it out of the park and always be growing in everything possible. Our challenge as a Christian is to obey the leadership of our father. Everybody with me? See, as a father, it is my job to comfort, encourage, discipline, and provoke my children. When they need comforting, it's my job to know when they need comforting. And then when they need to grow, it's my job to know when to kick them out. <laughs> Everybody know what I'm saying? And they're not going to be happy adults. They're not going to be well-rounded adults. They're not going to be successful, uh, ready adults if I don't challenge them, if I don't push them. If I don't say, hey, look, this is this is a stagnant area in your life. Why don't we try something new? You know, and they don't always like it. And that's good. Amen. And that is God, your father, spiritually for you. It's not your job to anticipate him kicking you out. It's not your job to try and grow on your own as an orphan. Look at what I can do. It's your job to respond when he says to respond. And when he gives you time of rest and peace in a bubble, enjoy it. And when he pops the bubble and kicks you out, enjoy it. <laughs> no, but you respond with obedience. And those that are open and those that have a humble disposition and those that are teachable and say, you know what? Maybe I'm not everything I could be yet. And he sees something I don't see. He sees something in me I don't see. And he's asking me to do something that's uncomfortable and difficult and different. We have two options in those scenarios in life. Because if our hearts, now if, if, if they're not, this is a different message. Forget what I'm saying. But if your heart is turned towards the Lord... He's going to have this process waiting for you. 
He is going to have this vine dressing process waiting for you. If your heart is turned toward him. And the ultimate goal is your fruitfulness. Your purpose. Your productivity. You being who you're supposed to be. Your identity coming to full manifestation as a member of the kingdom of God. That's what this process is for. If your heart is turned toward him. And when he starts to prod you and say, look, this season of your life, this place that you're in. And it's time to move you. It's time to grow you into something else. We can respond with fear and no and go around the mountain. (laughs) And we can go around the mountain and some Christians live going around the mountain. Or we can respond with, I'm ready. Yeah. We can respond with, let's do it. We can respond with, I trust your leadership. Everybody with me? I don't mean, don't mistake it, that that his leadership and his kicking us out of the nest, so to speak, is always associated with a geographical change. A lot of times it's not. Has nothing to do with moving here, there, and everywhere. Okay? It has to do with obedience in what he's called you to do. Some people will grow their whole life in accordance to God's will and never leave the town they were born in. Does that make sense? Some people will travel all over running from God's will. (laughs) That's not the marker of God's growth in your life. God's growth in your life is marked by obedience. And that's between you and him. Amen. But when he gives you a task, when he says, this is it, this is it. You say, yes, sir. You know. And it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to stall. Just don't stall too long. Let him coax you out. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How do we abide in your love? If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's what he was about to do. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know where his mas- what his master is doing. But I call you friends, for I have heard from my father and I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that you should be that you should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This this process isn't just about calling. it's, It's also about the fruit of the spirit. Everybody say fruit. Fruit of the spirit. Okay. And see, we can we can be growing in some areas and stagnant in others. 
We can have God's word abiding in some rooms of our heart, but other rooms of our heart, we leave it closed and we stay in control. And this is sometimes why we get so confused looking at ministers that are failing or, or, or we, they lifted themselves up on a pedestal in one thing where they're bearing fruit, but they're not bearing fruit in other things. Okay? You can be a charismatic word-preaching individual that's got hidden places in your heart that God has not been able to speak to. Okay? And those little foxes come and spoil the vine. But when you have fellowship with somebody, it's about openness. Everybody say openness. It's about getting to know them. It's about one of the biggest challenges of marriage. Is is, it's, you know, you're committing and you, you have, you've seen who they are, right? You know who they are. You've spent a lot of time together. You're ready to commit. But part of the challenge, part of the adventure is you don't know everything. (laughs) but you know enough, right? And there is a working out process of being married that changes you and it impacts you. My wife is more like me than the day we got married. And I am more like her than the day I got married because of our relationship and her impact on me. Yeah? And my impact on her. We've bled off on each other. We've, we've, uh, We've worked things out. And that's what part of becoming one is. And when you're looking into the mirror of Christ in your relationship, you're going to start to see things as you spend time with him. And that's the, that's the opportunities for growth. Fruitfulness could be forgiving somebody you haven't forgiven in a long time. What if fruitfulness looked like someone that used to be able to get under your skin like that isn't able to get under your skin anymore? There's fruitfulness. There's growth. What if fruitfulness is taking a step of obedience to do something you've had in your heart to do for a long time, but you haven't quite made that step? Yeah? That's growth. What if fruitfulness is taking the initiative? You've always been a passive follower. Maybe God's calling you to be a leader instead. You look at some of the pictures in the Old Testament. Look at Gideon, right? You ever read Gideon's story? Has everybody heard Gideon's story? Gideon was the least in his tribe. He was the least of his family. They were oppressed by the Midianites, of whom were without number. And he was stealing grain, hiding behind the threshing floor. Stealing it. And the angel comes to him and says, Hail, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Call those things that be not as though they are. And we go, you, you sure you got the right guy? Are you sure? And God's like, well, yeah, I'm sure. Because <laughs> I know more than you. And that's the process. That's the challenge. That's the excitement. If you have your heart toward, turned towards him. Yeah. I was sitting there in worship and I was trying to figure out what's a good analogy for this. And... Um, I just, it it hit me like that. You know, if you take a fish, most fish, and you put them in a little globe, little bowl, do you know that they're restrained by their environment? They won't grow past that size, right? So uh, (laughs) if you got them in a little bowl, they're never, they they, somehow they know we we cannot fill this bowl out, we'll die. (laughs) Somehow they know my environment is too small. And I feel like the Lord is the ultimate one that knows when to take that 
I'm talking spiritually about us, okay? When do we take that person out and put them in a different pond? When do we take that person out and put them in a different pond? When do we take that person out and put them in this place to more freedom, to more accountability, to more responsibility? He's the one that leads you. And you may get real aggressive one day, so you know what? I'm going to go jump in the ocean. Yeah, okay, well, if, let's take a little goldfish and go throw them out in the ocean. They'll die. <laughs> They've won. They're not ready. They did not graduate from the da 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 da. da. <laughs> right? That's the Lord in your life. That's the Lord in your life. Let Him grow you up. Amen. One last thing before we kind of transition here. We have to get our priorities settled in our heart. Um. Don't let any single human individual ever, 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 ever take the place of counsel of God in your private prayer time. Ever. That sounds like a cliche, simple thing to to say, but we, we let it happen a lot. I let it happen a lot. We will look to ministers and we will look to talking heads on TV and we will listen to pastors, but we will not trust the witness of the Spirit. And that has to change because no one, no one knows what you're called to do. No one. Only God. And if anybody's given you a word, they don't, they don't know it. They know in part. They know something. They heard something. They may not even apply it like you did. A lot of times the words, that, when they're given, if God gives a word through somebody to somebody, they think it's applied for something else and it hits you completely different. Because okay, when you get, well, I've given words to people, I'm conscious for them. I'm thinking, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> it's not always what I think, but it is what he says. And people will hit it different. Okay. But do not ever let any organization trump your relationship with God. And I mean Christian organization. I mean your channels and your people you listen to. Man, there is stagnancy all over possible stagnancy all over is possible when you allow people to have that kind of voice in your life. But if God has allowed that straight line of voice in your life, he's going to let those miry places be refreshed. He's going to allow those swampy areas to get life back in them. If God is in charge. So let's put him first. That's that's what I feel like for us as a as a as a body here for us as individuals let's make sure our hearts are turned towards the lord and let's be wise and redeem the time looking for those things that he's trying to bring correction and he's trying to bring growth there's so much that is possible when you allow him to do this process of letting him make you fruitful he'll make you fruitful amen I am the true vine. Let's pray this together. Father God, I thank you that you're my vine dresser. I'm plugged into Jesus. Anything that is restricting growth, that isn't bearing fruit, prune it from my heart. Refresh the dead places. 
and shine a light on those places in my heart that aren't being fruitful. I give you free reign to touch my conscience and bring strength to those weak areas. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody on board with that? Matt, would you come play for a second? Actually, actually, wait, wait, never mind. <laughs> it's, it's quarter till 12. Is that all right? I do want to just open it up. I, I don't have anything in particular, any given prompt, except that I do feel like this message for was for a lot of people here. And, and I don't need to pray for you for you to make the changes God is asking of you and I don't need to pray for you for, you know, maybe you're exactly on track. Maybe, maybe you're stepping things off like you should be. Okay. But I do, I do want to take a second and pray for grace. Grace. The way I define it is God's strength for your weaknesses. Okay. Grace is God ability for your inability. And so there's a lot of times where he's asking us to do something new and his grace is there. Sometimes when we when we preempt him, his grace is not there. OK, because that's his way of communicating to you. No, not that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> okay, but but if he's asking you to do something, if there's something fresh that he's wanting to do in your heart, and in your life, there's grace there. And, and I'm, here, I'm here to agree with you. So I want to do a corporate prayer for that. But if you feel like you would, rep, you would also like to come up and we can agree. We can agree concerning that. I want to do that too. So let's pray. And uh, Natalie, you can come up now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. God and hopelessness doesn't exist in the same room. And if you feel hopeless, you need to get in the room with God. I don't know who that's... God and hopelessness don't exist in the same room. God looked at nothing in the darkness and said, let there be light. And there was. And God can look at something you think is utterly dead and call it back to life. And I mean people. Don't get in his way. Don't let your mouth get in his way. Zachariah's mouth got in his way and he shut him up. Because <laughs> God wants fruitfulness. And I do feel, I do feel hopelessness real strong. And I don't know why. But it's not him. It's not him. I feel hopelessness. And it's not him. I didn't bring up it. 
I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I'm just telling you what my feedback is. In Jesus' name, we rebuke hopelessness. We rebuke it. And I thank you. The relationship with you eclipses hopelessness. Eclipses stagnancy. And I thank you for every vestige and every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. That it is clipped off by your spirit. And we breathe freedom on every soul, on every face. Your freedom flow right now. Your grace, your strength for you. Our weaknesses. We loose it in Jesus' name. So I'll say this together. I reject hopelessness, self-pity, self-pity. I reject you. Despair. I reject you. You are not my friend. You're not my comforter. I will not get in league with you. You don't soothe my emotions. I reject despair. I reject self-pity. I reject hopelessness. And I cling to life. I cling to joy. That is independent of every circumstance. My joy cannot be taken by anyone or anything. It is founded. It is rooted. It is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is not falling off his throne. So I thank you, Father, that the Spirit of God is my comforter. And joy and peace and love are the fruit that I experience every day. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Your grace in Jesus' name. Some of you are going to have to do that, what I just did, every 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but quit it. <laughs> quit wallowing in it. Quit bathing in it. Quit living in it. Quit thinking about it. Quit projecting it. Always. The next day is the same because always the thoughts are in the same place because you're always meditating on the way things are. That's not how God told us to live. God told us to live by faith. He has made us a peculiar people. And we are called in the stewardship and in the gardening of our own life to make it to make it that that garden of Eden and we do it by faith we do it by trust in him and we allow that creative miraculous process walking with him as a walk of faith and we call those things that be not as though they were and we say life be joy be love be I thank you, Father, that those things are usurping, replacing, supplanting all of the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name.
It is. It is your. This is no one else's job. Don't don't look at your spouse. Don't think about anybody else. This is no one else's job but yours. Your thoughts are your garden. This is no one else's job but yours. And you better not get in league with hopelessness. And you better not get in league with despair and self-pity. Buddy up with that and no one will be good enough. And no one, nothing will ever change in your life either. You are the guard of your heart. It's no one else's responsibility what's going on between your ears. Everybody pat their pat their head. Let's say this together. This is my responsibility. I'm guarding it. I decide what I think about, what I meditate on, what I give voice to. That's my job. That's my responsibility. As for me, in this body of mine, the words of Christ are going to abide in this temple. Amen. Tomorrow, you're going to... I don't know. Tomorrow, if you feel the same way, change it change it the next day if you feel that hopelessness again change it what you think you and God ain't big enough change it it doesn't happen to you you allow it to happen it doesn't happen to you you allow it to happen if it goes on up here it's in your control and the Holy Spirit is there you speak the word The devil came and tempted Jesus. And what did he do? He sat there and moped. He sat there and thought about it. He sat there and said, man, I'm alone. I'm hungry. I'm depressed. I got nothing. Nobody knows who I am. Am I the son of God? I don't know. Is that what he did? (laughs) It is written. What was he full of? He was full of the commandments of his father. Amen. Spend time in this. Don't neglect it. Spend time with him.